0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design. I'm Kimberly Seldon, and I missed you so much. I was away on holidays. I don't know if you missed me, but I went on a vacation. I went to Scotland, which is so darn beautiful. I was gobsmacked by how pretty it is. We just hit it. We had great weather. We were cycling through St. Andrews and Fife, and we toured the highlands and a couple of different islands, and we ended our trip in London and did architectural walking tours. I just, it was heaven. It was wonderful. And I really unplugged. And now I get to come back um, to all my projects running smoothly. I think I was missed a little, but it certainly didn't stop the train. And uh, I know for sure I missed you guys. And we have a great conversation today. You are going to meet an amazing woman, Rachel Bozick, and she is an international keynote speaker and in-demand elite personal branding coach, and she's really lovely. And she works exclusively with talented female entrepreneurs, and she is going to talk to us about niching down, narrowing your focus so you can be your best self. And I think ultimately the goal is to create a business that's sustainable, right? It's not sustainable if it's not profitable, And we have had a tailwind at our back the last few years. Uh, Thank you, COVID. It's a gift of a very bad situation, but turned out to be helpful for a lot of us. We have had an excess of work. We've had an excess of projects. It's really exciting. And now I think as we're coming out of that phase, it's important for us to be intentional and make sure we continue to work with those clients and on those projects that are consistent with our value, complement our brand, and frankly, make us happy. Rachel is going to speak specifically about four Ps, positioning, press, paid speaking, and partnerships. Using these tenets and being really clear and intentional about who you are can get you part of the way toward transforming your business. I was saying to Rachel, that's all good. You still need the systems, protocols, boundaries, strategies, all the things that we talk about here at Business of Design. And I'm just going to say it, if you're not yet a member, I hope you will become a member immediately. Most of our members don't have to be members for life to transform their business. Literally, double triple quadruple their salaries and you're going to meet someone on the podcast next week who's done exactly that in a tiny tiny span of time and you're going to hear Christian Warren's story next week but this week you're going to meet Rachel after you hear Rachel you may want to reach out and speak to her her website RachelBazic.com. Go to BusinessOfDesign.com to find the link. She's got a couple of different coaching packages. One is a virtual coaching package that takes place in one day over Zoom. And the other is a two day luxe package, which takes place in person. And she's lovely and wonderful. So that may be what you're looking for. And we were talking after we finished the podcast that our, uh, the work that we do is so synergistic because we focus on how do you run that project from top to bottom? And she focuses. Focuses on branding and making sure that your positioning is right so you are in the right place to get the right clients. And I know I've mentioned this on the podcast so many times. We did a whole positioning statement and branding session the last time we had a business up design conference, which was January of 2020. Who knew what was coming? We didn't. But anyway, if you all recall the mantra, I am the expert. I am the prize to be won. I am on a mission to help I can only help if I lead and not everyone is going to follow that lead and that's okay. So positioning, as you know, is really important and definitely part of what we teach at Business of Design as well. We are going to jump into this episode as soon as we hear some announcements from you know who, Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations, and the woman who has been holding it all together so I could go away and have a great vacation. Cheryl, what's going on at Business of Design besides 12 million things?
1: Well, I feel like September has been such a big month and you know what? It's not over yet. So tomorrow, September 21st, we are doing BOD Live. We've actually been talking about this one for a while now because it's a book club and we've been reading Atomic Habit. So we're excited to have that conversation. So if you're a member of Business of Design, please join us tomorrow, September 21st at 1 p.m. EST uh, to join in that meeting. Just log into your member dashboard and click to join.
0: I'll be there. Can't wait.
1: Next week, uh, we have our two-hour virtual seminar for the BOD contract commercial projects. Registration is still open for that one. It is a two-hour live seminar, and you will get an opportunity to make sure you get all of your questions answered in regards to not just the commercial contract, but how to run a commercial project using the BOD 15. So you will get a Uh, a copy of Kimberly's contract as part of that seminar, but please make sure you register, join us live and come prepared with any questions that you have. Kimberly will be walking you through how she runs those commercial projects.
0: Wow. That's, that's a big deal. We haven't done that one before. I better be ready for you guys.
1: And then the other big one I'm going to announce, or I guess I've already been announcing it for a while, but I just opened up registration for our next elite retreat and we're headed to Charleston and Savannah. And it's only been open a few days and we already have registrations, which is so exciting. We're happy to be going somewhere new. Uh, Kimberly's traveled with groups to Charleston and Savannah uh, before, so it won't be completely new, but it is our first BOD elite retreat there. so. If you are interested, please head to the website, check out those details. If you've joined us for a past elite retreat or you're a boss member, check your inboxes because I did send you a special promo code. Uh, If you didn't get that, by all means, reach out to me. And of course, if you are a BOD member, you're going to save as well. So make sure you check out all of these events and more at businessofdesign.com. Thanks so much.
0: Oh wow, that is a lot going on. And by the way, we're just going to keep you busy from now until, you know, the end of at least 2023. If you're in Australia, don't forget I'm coming for you. We're going to do an intensive BOD 15 step project management strategy. I'm just going to mind meld with each one of you. So you will run your projects entirely different from that day forward. So that's two great days in March in Australia. And then in April, we're doing the elite retreat, which I'm so excited about. I seriously can't wait. In fact, Janine and I are going in about three weeks to Charleston and Savannah to do some of the pre-scouting. We always visit a number of homes. We work on the learning while we're there in the city. So we make sure we want fresh content and we want to make sure that you come away from that having really invested in yourself and ready to tackle the year ahead. So if you haven't signed up for those two events, we hope you will. And for those of you who missed this boss group, because we're getting inquiries now as the group is closed, there will be a third boss group starting in a. 2023. So be ready for it. And Cheryl, thank you as usual. And thank you to each one of you. We're we're very appreciative that you give us your time and listen to the Business of Design podcast. And now you get to meet our amazing guest. So we'll get right into the show.
2: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects, like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
0: Rachel, good to see you. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I, Rachel had to put up with me figuring out how to get the podcast started because I've been on holidays for three weeks and it's like I've forgotten how to do anything, everything. Everything.
3: And I like the way you say holiday instead of vacation. It sounds very chic.
0: <laughs> well, that's because I was in Britain, you know, so I, pick, I, <laughs> I picked mean, that up in the right? UK, yeah. right, Like like you do. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's really good to meet you. Where are you at?
3: I'm in Charleston, South Carolina right now.
0: I'm headed there next month. Business of Design has an elite retreat every year, and we've done it in Santa Monica and Palm Springs the last, I don't know, six or seven times. And uh, we are going to do it in Charleston and Savannah in 2023. So I'm actually headed there on October 17th. It's such a beautiful place. I love it there.
3: Oh my gosh. I love it. I split my time between Chicago and Charleston. And when I give my design clients the option, I say, do you want to work with me in Chicago or Charleston? 95% 95% of the time, they say Charleston. Let me come um, to Charleston, so side yeah. Side note, yeah, side note, if you need any referrals or corporate rates for hotels, I got you covered.
0: Yes, in fact, I do. We We've taken groups there before to learn about architecture and design, not interior designers, but just design enthusiasts, and we've always stayed at Charleston Place. But I'm thinking there must be something sexier now.
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, I have a client coming in this afternoon from DC and she's going to stay at the Dewberry. I had a client last week and I did a brand launch weekend with her, which is like my most intensive program. She was here for four days. We put her up at Hotel Bennett. So I got you covered with the hotels. I also know people over. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them. I also know people at the preservation society and they're doing a hard hat tour in one of the historic homes in October with the architects, with the preservation Society's coming in and they're doing a talk. So let's connect after.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I'm so looking forward to it. I have to say, I, I really am. And I'm looking forward to this conversation because I meet so many designers who have been in the trenches, in the weeds for so long, and they, they feel that they have to somehow accept where they're at in terms of the type of clients they're getting when their heart's desire is to reach a client who allows them to do bigger and better and more fulfilling and satisfying projects. So I want to not waste any time with you today, Rachel, and I want to ask specifically, how do I stop where I am right now and go further, catapult myself further toward the clients I want? What are the actionable things I can do right now to make that happen?
3: Yeah, good question. So I work with female entrepreneurs, interior designers specifically, about 75% of my client base. And they all ask me the same question. And I really work with entrepreneurs that are in a place, right, where they're, they're $300,000, 400000 $500,000 in. So first thing I would say is, like, you got to figure out what you like and what you don't like, like in your early stages of your business. What type of projects do you enjoy? What type of people do you enjoy? What type do you like historic? Do you like new builds? So spend those early years trying to figure it out. Then when you get to the place where you're like three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in, it's time to niche down.
0: What do you okay? mean three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in? Explain what you mean by that.
3: You've done that in your business,
0: right? So you've you earn yeah. that in terms of profit, or you've earned that in terms of gross income. What specifically do you mean? I would say
3: gross. Yeah. Gross in the sense of you've been in a position where you've had the client base right? You've been on the job sites, you might have hired your first team member, but you've spent the time playing around with different types of projects and clients. When you get to that position and you kind of have trialed and errored a few things yourself, because I always say it's like, it's hard to niche down if you don't know what you like and what you enjoy.
0: So what you're saying is if clients have spent, you know, four, 400000 five hundred thousand $500,000 with you during a year, meaning all your clients combined, all your gross income combined, mm-hmm then you're probably in a position where you're ready to go. Do you have to wait until you hit that number? What if I've only, yeah. What if I really see like, oh my gosh, I took whatever lousy jobs came my way and that's what I'm continuing to get. I'm done with that. I need to make a dramatic move and put myself in a different lane.
3: Yeah, yeah. So you can, if you have had the experience on the back end and you've been able to figure it out quickly of like, I like this type of client. I like these sorts of projects. And you're, let's say $150,000. And then sure, it's time to niche down. I'm just saying, I typically see women that are three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000 because it. sometimes they're like, Oh, I kind of like always wanted the new build from the ground up. And then they do and they go, Oh my gosh, never mind, I don't want that. <laughs> right? right. So I'm oftentimes seeing at that level, you've had enough experience to make a decision. Now the most important thing you can do, right. Is niche down. It is so incredibly important to niche down and for you to say, this is who I am, this is what I do, and this is how I do it. I always tell my clients, people don't pay top dollar for general experts. They just don't. And I'm not calling, you know, any woman a general expert, but the problem is, is most women are positioning themselves as general experts. A lot of people are calling themselves luxury designers.
0: Yeah, well, same with everyone else, right? Like, well, they, they use the word luxury design, but then they have an online e-design package and, you know, a three-hour oh, package. Really? And, and the
3: brand, yeah, what, the brand's not consistent. Yeah.
0: yeah. So part of the problem, I think, with Niche and Down is it requires you to have faith that you will work again. Right. Because that's why people are generalists, because they think if I appeal to everybody, I might have enough work. And the magic is you want to appeal to a narrow, narrow audience that really desires what you have, your expertise, and they will pay you top dollar for it.
3: Yeah. Exactly. And that's the real power, right? Is niching down. So that, I would say that, that it's the most important thing, um, that if you can build your business and build it quickly. And once again, like the power of niching down is really, if you want to work with less clients for more money. So niching down is not a good move. If you want to have firms in seven cities, let's say, and, you know, just do kitchen remodels. Like, yeah, that's not niche down enough. You're doing, you know, you're doing high volume, low ticket, but if you want want to run a firm where you're in a position where you're working with a few clients at a given time and they're all top dollar, the power is on niching down.
0: Ah, yes, it is.
3: Let me give you a quick example that I think might be helpful and powerful here. Um, So I had a client semi recently that came to me and she said, you know, listen, I'm really passionate about doing designs for families. I'm a family myself. I love doing kids spaces and family rooms and nurseries and kids rooms and all of that. And I said, Anne, I love it. And I think that's great. But like so many other designers are moms as well. And they want to do family spaces at the same time. So the question becomes like, why you over everyone else? Mm-hmm. Now she had the time in her business where she already was kind of playing around and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm really kind of liking playroom design, but I'm kind of running up a hill right now with people not really wanting to invest in their playrooms. They want to throw Ikea in there, right? Cause the kids are going to ruin it and they're going to outgrow it quickly. So she's like, I love this imaginative play and holistic play, but I'm having a hard time breaking in. So I'm doing lower ticket, higher volume. And I said, All right, we got to niche you down if you really want to do play spaces. And that's like super specific and niche. We need to make you transition from the general expert, right, to the specialized surgeon. And what that means is what we did in transitioning her brand is we said, hey, listen, she's an in-demand playroom designer. She has a background in early education, you know, previously years and years and years ago, she created a, co-created a curriculum that is taught in 45 schools. She saw kids addicted to the tablets and said, Hey, listen, you know, I really want to help people understand holistic play and what that looks like. So. We used that previous experience. We started calling her in-demand playroom designer. We started getting her press, Family Fun Magazine, Parents Magazine. And then we got her in a position where now she became from saying like, hey, I can do family spaces. I'm a mom too. I like doing design to saying like, hey, I'm an in-demand playroom designer. And I work with top level executives to help their children learn how to holistically play develop leadership skills and social skills in their own home as featured by Parents Magazine, Family Fun, you know, co-created curriculum years ago. Now she's doing six-figure playrooms consistently. She close to doubled her sales from August to August this year. Mm -hmm. Why? She niched down. But once again, she had time to kind of play around and be like, She was doing, you know, kitchen reno. She was doing outdoor spaces. She was doing, you know, the master and gut reno and all of that to be like, hey, I've had some time in my business to figure out, like, I like play. So that's what I was saying of like, it's important to kind of yourself to dabble in projects, dabble with clients to figure out like, who do you
0: enjoy? Right. And then, so that's a great example. I love the example. And that's the biggest damn coffee cup I've ever seen. Like, what is, that is huge. (laughs)
3: It's a big latte mug. Yeah. These are oh, for my wedding coming up, but that's, that's a whole nother side oh, story. They're like inspired by Ralph Lauren. Oh, yeah, that's thank so you. so
0: fun. I love it. It's huge. And it is Monday. So I completely get that. That was a great example. <laughs> Give us a couple more examples because I feel, I really feel for people who say I'm a kitchen designer. Oh my God, get in line. What could be an example potentially of someone who's a kitchen designer? How could that designer niche down or a bathroom yeah. designer niche down? Ooh, I know you want Rachel's answer, but you're going to have to hold for just a moment. And now a word from our sponsor. I'm very excited about this one, Kohler Signature Stores and Experience Centers. Have you ever done a project without Kohler? I don't think I have. Kohler Co., of course, is a global leader in the manufacture of kitchen and bath products, and it's continuing to expand its presence in North America, opening a 38th Kohler Signature Store in Torrance, California. Now, that's not too far from me in Santa Monica. I may have to check it out, although I frequently use the West Hollywood stores. Kohler stores offer sophisticated displays, elaborately designed suites, and vignettes so I get great ideas, and they showcase all the Kohler family brands. Kohler, Kalista, Roburn, and Ansax Tile and Stone. One of the cool things about these experiential spaces is they offer, for example, working shower systems, lighted mirrors, intelligent toilets. You can figure out how everything works so when you present it to your clients, you're the expert. Listen, just as I have an A-team of contractors, plumbers, and electricians, I also have an A-team of suppliers, and Kohler is at the top of my list. So I wholeheartedly recommend you check out the nearest Kohler Signature Store or Experience Center. And if there isn't one physically close to you, don't worry, you can visit them online and virtually. If you want to look good to your clients over and over again, and I know you do, you have to rely on brands you can trust. To find a Kohler Signature Store or Experience Center near you, go to stores.kohler.com or go to Business of Design and we'll have the link right there for you. Thank you, Kohler, for sponsoring Business of Design. We really appreciate it.
3: Okay, totally. So first thing I would say is you have to be thinking about the brand beyond the niche right so i work with my women on something called four piece so it's positioning yourself as the expert that's one piece then it's the press to back you up so it's and saying hey i'm calling myself an in demand playroom designer but same with family fun same with ad same with parents magazine so you have to also have like the backup credentials and press is helpful for that the next thing i would say is partnerships are incredibly helpful. So I'm using Anne again. She could call herself an in-demand playroom designer all day, every day, but who's going to fill the pipeline for her? So it's partnering with other industry experts that I'm putting in quotes over here, right? That your ideal client hangs out with. So for Anne, who spends six figures on playrooms? They're like those nursery schools, right? That are Six-figure nursery schools. So those private schools are hanging out, in quotes, with her ideal client. Those concierge pediatricianists are hanging out with her ideal client. So I would say, in addition to niching down, you better have the backup of knowing how to get the press to give you the credibility or to have the background expertise, i.e. co-created a curriculum in 45 schools and the partnerships to fill the pipeline for you. Okay. So let's talk about kitchen design. So, so fill this, fill in the blanks for me. You're saying that a designer that just does kitchen design. Yeah. Because that is a notoriously
0: high volume, low income, you know, ghetto that you might find yourself in. Right. Mm -hmm. So help, help, help somebody who's designing kitchens right now bust out. What do they got to do?
3: Okay. First of all, you can't keep doing the same thing that you're doing because that's not sustainable you're gonna be looking at 30, 40, 50 kitchens a year. So how do we get you from 30, 40, 50 to six or seven a year, right? So the question becomes is, first of all, even at your highest level kitchen, you're not gonna make enough money on it. So you need to expand beyond kitchen. So you need to start looking around and seeing what else are you good at and what else do you enjoy? So for example, like Kay, it seems like obviously if you're doing kitchen remodels that you're really good at renovations. So can you do large scale construction? So it, it really, right, it obviously, like, depends on the woman it's a and tough what she's one. good
0: at. Yeah, that, that's well, a tough sh- one. That's
3: why I was saying you need the time to kind of sit around and play around and see. I mean, what i typically see?
0: Could yeah. you combine it with great room? Could it be, like, um, or could it be, um, could you could you niche in the hardworking spaces of a home, meaning kitchens and baths? Is there, and then the adjoining spaces, whatever spaces connect those rooms? I don't know. That doesn't feel like niching down so much as it feels like niching up.
3: (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's really like two options, two options with niching down. And it depends on my client, which one we select. And sometimes we choose both. So the first one is the types of projects that you do. So I will have some of my clients, about 30, 40% that are like an and they're like, I just want playrooms for them. They might be like, I only like my client coming into town tonight. She wants just new builds from the ground up with luxury architects. My client last week, she's just specializing in historic homes. OK, so that's the type of project. And it could be like, hey, it's full furnishings. And like, that's what I'm really great at.
0: Or maybe it could be we only do kitchens in historic homes or we only do kitchens in high rise condominiums because there are unique no, you challenges. You can't just
3: do kitchens because you're not going to make good money on it.
0: Really? Gosh, I gave you, I gave you one that was hard. Okay.
3: Yeah. But okay. So that's the first, well, question, okay, is like
0: the types of projects you do. We, Our kitchens run 150 to 200,000 by the time they're done, because there's butler yeah. pantries and there's usually an eat-in area and all that kind of stuff. So I suppose if you were doing only high-end luxury kitchens, you probably could get away from that rut of 40 kitchens a year and get down mm-hmm. to like you know, 10 kitchens a year and do okay. I don't know. Anyway, okay. I'm still yeah. I'm, I'm fighting for to you. Do okay. the, the kitchen and bath industry experts. I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for you. I hate to leave them thinking that they only have to do volume. Because there are yeah. people who literally only want to do so. I guess in that case, I would say we have to get your kitchens into a new class above other kitchens. Your kitchens so have to look different than other kitchens.
3: That I was gonna mention, right? So The second group is the types of clients that you serve. So all of my clients that work with me come to to me in a position where they're like, hey, I'm doing two, $300,000 in furnishings a year. How do I make it a million dollar furnishings budget? So this is my next no, right? Is if you either niche down to the type of project or you niche down to the type of person that you serve, are these second, third family homes? Are these homes that are for really, really busy professionals that they just need a turnkey because they're barely there to make decisions? Are these homes for bachelors, right? Are you out in California or New York City? So the second question becomes, you know, is there a certain market? So I guess if like, let's go back to kitchen. Like if, But I mean, honestly, like at that level of wealth and luxury, like they're not just bringing one person to the, their kitchen. You have a designer that's doing the full home. So that's why I'm challenging that's you on good that point. of- yeah, yeah like, point. I mean, if, even even if we just niche you down to kitchen and bath in the luxury market, nah, uh right? They're going to bring in someone to do the whole thing.
0: I think you need another business of design member who wants to renovate the rest of the house and you work together and you handle the kitchens and baths and they handle the rest of the house. And then you can both, you know, be, you know, meteor, meteoric rise in your profitability. So let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: It's, it's a tough, I mean, and that's not like the typical, right? So the typical is, is like a woman coming in and being like, Hey, I'm doing some renovations, but they're kind of piecemealing it. That's what I'm seeing often. They're seeing like, you know, the family comes to them and the family's in a position where they have hoarded the cash and I'm putting that in quotes. They've worked really, really hard for their money, really hard. And they've lived in the home for a while and they're like, Oh, the Island doesn't work. You know, our furnishings are so Blah, we have all this yucky paneling, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, and we're finally ready. And then they go into the renovation, and naturally issues arise, and then that starts to cut the furnishings budget. Mm. So that's like the typical right? Of like what I think a lot of designers do and a lot of designers that I meet often, that's what they're doing. So their question becomes, okay, how do I get out of doing so many of these projects and launch further into a luxury market where A, the renovation budget is a whole lot bigger, meaning my design fee is a whole lot bigger, right? And B, the furnishings budget is a whole lot bigger. So I'm making great money on the furnishings. And also C, as issues arise in the renovation because they will, the furniture budget doesn't get cut. Mm -hmm. It's a certain type of market. So that's what I'm seeing often. And then the question becomes, okay, how do we niche you down here? So are we going to, uh, I'll give you a quick example. I have a client, um, right now and her name's Maggie and she's out in Nashville and she was working with, 25, 30 homes a year in this market, right? Exhausting, absolutely exhausting. And that market naturally is very tied to their cash because they've hung on to it for so long and they're finally ready to do it, meaning very involved in the process. And as a designer, that's super frustrating. So for Maggie, we're like, okay, who do we really want to work with, right? And we decided together that it was going to be professional families. Her ideal market was mom and dad both worked they're both busy. Maybe one's an entrepreneur and one's an executive. And they're like, you know what? We love this neighborhood. We love this home. We just purchased, we're living here for a while and we want to do it all in one swoop. So how do we do it? Guess what? There's so many other designers like Maggie that want that project right? So we can't make her a general expert. What were you going to say? No, I was
0: going to say like, this is all true and it's all such good information. And I don't care if you're doing a $20,000 living room or a $5 million house, you have to have the process, the systems, the boundaries, the protocols to run the projects to make those clients happy, or it's not going to work. It doesn't matter if you land a whale of a client who's got $5 million to spend, it, you still have to run your business from top to tail like a, like a professional. So so you, that's not a shortcut, right? There's two sides to the coin. You have to make up your mind. You have to set the intention. You have to go for the clients you should be having, but then you have to be able to make those clients happy.
3: Oh, yeah. You have to be able to serve them, especially in a higher end market. There's a different level of service that you're going to need to you know, make sure you're being thoughtful of because your goal is to have tons of referrals. Right. Um, but going, yeah, going back to Maggie, let's say, right. So she is like, okay, so I've decided, right. Together we decided like we want to position her for professional families, dual income. They're not going to cut the furnishings budget. They're going to do it in one swoop. They're not going to be like, Hey, let's do kitchen. And then maybe we'll do the master bath. And then maybe later the second, nah, the whole thing, they're not going to live there. Right. So we're like, okay, how do we need you down for this? So we decided together it's professional families. She's a professional family herself. She owns a bunch of Airbnb properties. She, you know, has a background in real estate. We reworked all of this to say, hey, listen, I understand the ROI value. I get that you guys are incredibly busy. I'm going to make this turnkey for you. As featured by realtor.com. As featured by Better Homes and Gardens. We got her those features. Now it's backing her up, okay? And then we're like, okay, so who's seeing these properties before anyone else sees them, and makes a decision on them? Realtors, right? How do we get her partnered with the realtor? She only needs like seven or eight of them. Where the realtor sees a property, she's showing it to a couple that meets Maggie's ideal criteria and then brings Maggie in as the partner. So the pipeline is filled for her. Okay. I love love this idea.
0: And now I have to know what's in it for the realtor. Cause that's what people will ask. How do I, how do I make those connections? How do I make it sticky enough so that they will refer me?
3: Yeah. So what's in it for the realtor is if you are positioned as the expert saying and declaring Hey, my name is Maggie, and I specialize in working with professional families to do turnkey properties with large-scale renovation, as featured in Realtor.com, as featured in Better Homes and Gardens, as featured in AD. You better believe you make that Realtor look really, really good. And then I do a lot of back end, like figuring out like what sort of compensation does the Realtor get? Do they have a charity that you make a donation on? Some of that depends, but really, honestly, in the luxury market. 5% of my clients, 10% of my clients, if that are making any sort of monetary donation or gift on behalf of that, because they're really positioning themselves as that specialized surgeon that that realtor actually really needs.
0: Mm, Yeah. It's, um, we, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think it's challenging to make those connections. It is it's, It is challenging, but I guess you put yourself in a position where you're socializing with those realtors on a regular basis and suddenly you seem like the right person to call.
3: So yes, that's important too, but... Um a lot of work that I do and probably spent, you know, a few hours training my clients on this is really getting your brand positioned properly and then setting up those meetings. where actually not pitching yourself because I never want your brand to be diluted like that, but you're having those conversations being like, here's the value I think I can bring. This is how I think, you know, this could be mutually beneficial. So rather than just like being in their space and saying hi, it's making sure your brand's put together, make sure you're declaring it on your website, make sure you've niched down, you have the press behind you and then go into those conversations where it almost becomes such a no brainer, like a no duh. Yes. She is a great asset for me to bring
0: in. Yeah. You, you've hit on something I think we talk about a lot, which is consistency as well. It's one thing to say that you are in demand luxury home designer. It's another thing that every single touch point the client may run into that has your name on it says the same thing is completely consistent.
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, your goal is to make sure your brand is consistent on every single platform and a really good rule of thumb, you guys, is every single asset that you have, it should be able to be isolated on its own. And someone should be able to be able to take a peek at it and say, I understand what she does and how she does it. Meaning they could just look at your Instagram bio and be like professional families in tennessee full-scale renovation got it or look at let's say ann's website with playrooms be like large scale or playrooms for executives right like large scale full figure got it so if you go to your website now or if i look at your email signature your instagram or if i look at a marketing packet if you can't answer this is who I am. This is what I do. And here's who I'm a right fit for. And most importantly, who I'm not a right fit for, Yeah. then how are other people going to be able to sell and promote your brand if you don't have the clarity yourself?
0: Yeah. It's such a good point. I
3: think I said this earlier, Kimberly, but it's like this idea of like, when people, when you don't declare your brand, other people are going to declare it for you. So when Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it again, but like, when you don't declare your brand, Other people will declare it for you. And how scary you guys. So when I meet women and they're like, oh, I'm getting so many referrals, but they're like too small or too this or too that. And I'm like, yeah, people are trying to help you, but they don't know how to help you because you don't have the clarity. And that's said with so much kindness and love, but like that should be your first like ring the alarms, like something's off here in your positioning of self.
0: You could set up your own little focus group too and send your collaterals to a group of, you know, say eight to 10 people that you know, and just ask them to tell you what they think your brand is. That would be such a good exercise. Oh, there's such a good conversation, Rachel. Thank you so much. We like to end every episode with something we call design intervention. What comes to mind?
3: Yeah, so what comes to mind is when people don't know you, people don't trust you, and rightfully so. We live in such an oversaturated market where I feel like we're constantly, constantly being inundated by people that are trying to sell themselves or promote their services and business. So your goal, I would say, is to try to find third-party validation to support and endorse your work. Meaning, A, of course, press can be helpful for your brand. So if you have AD behind you, people trust AD. If you have a local feature behind you or or an award behind you, start mentioning that and tagging that onto your brand. However, there's a lot of newer designers that maybe haven't had that type of opportunity yet. So I would say start looking into your past and start looking into your resume. Have you worked at some sort of firm where their name is recognizable? Have you worked with a certain builder maybe locally where their name is recognizable and you can say you collaborated together? Um, did you work on a certain number of projects recently and that number is something that's helpful to endorse your brand. So I would say, start to try to find third-party validation, to endorse your work, that people already trust those resources, and it creates a bridge of trust for you. And start including that in all your sales calls and your marketing material.
0: Good advice. And you can start small, too. You can go after smaller... You know, you don't have to go for architectural digest as the first uh, point, but a local newspaper is a good point, a local local print magazine, even some of the bigger blogs can be really impressive these days. So just the point is to start important. getting yeah. traction.
3: As long as it's important to your ideal consumer though. Yeah. Right. So start to think like, okay, yeah. Being in the Seattle times, like, yeah, that's a national publication, but if you're not local to Seattle, right. Like don't be in it. Or if you really want to do really trend forward, unique designs, like yeah, realtor.com does not make sense for you. Mm -hmm. So start thinking around of like, is this local newspaper like helpful for my ideal client to trust me? Our goal is a bridge of trust.
0: It is. And I thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And what a, what a bonus that you're from Charleston. Thank you. That was fun.
2: Thank you for being part of the business of design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry. One design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join business of design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.